Gus, hi. Hi, Cammie. Hi, everyone else. Welcome to the Ceramics Podcast. Podcast. We're back. Um, talking I'm about... I'm at home. <laughs> I know. It's like so weird. Um, I'm really excited to announce that Gus is now working in his studio. Mm-hmm. And so for everyone that um, is listening, that's going to be jealous that both Gus and I are... <laughs> Working in our studios, I'm both sorry and suck it. No, I'm just kidding. But I'm working like a grad student again. But I, I, my stamina, it doesn't last. You know, I get like two days of it and then I'm out. It's really emotional. It's like, you know, on the other side of being able to work in the studio, you know, my boyfriend's still going to work and he's like, goes out there every day and it's been, you know, like there's... It's not like, yeah, it's fucking great. Yeah. But on the other side, it's been fucking great. So. Yeah. Well, that, like, I, for the past couple of years, have, like, had at least a full-time job. And, and so, like, I like, go to work, and then I go to the studio after work, and I usually sit, and I usually sit at work for, like, a half hour afterwards, just, like, trying to gather my thoughts and leave. Yeah, and and you see me try and leave there. Like I'm really bad at leaving work. And then yeah, I get because to I'm so like Gus. I just want to say, let's just talk about one more thing. I just have one more question, Gus. What would you do if A and B equals X? And I'm just like staring at the wall. Yeah, you're like. Then sometimes you actually break, and you're like, I gotta go, and I'm like, bye. <laughs> well, and then I get to my studio, and I always like sit with my feet up on my desk for like the first. 20 minutes to hour and then I like and then I get like two hours worth of like serious work in and then it's time to go home and go to bed yeah Uh, and right now it's funny because we're recording this in the morning and I was going to try and go to the studio in the morning and now it's like it's not even 11 o'clock and I'm like well there goes the fucking day like it's shot now (laughs) (laughs) not even a little bit true but I totally hear you usually I'm like not touching any clay until like 7.30 at night after working a whole day. This is Gus's passive-aggressive way of saying, let's make this quick. (laughs) 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 I love it. You're sort of like young, you know, relatively. Like a young, hip guy. I wouldn't say all, I wouldn't put all those words together. Sort of like finger on the No, I was just going to say younger. I was just thinking, like, do you feel like you're going to have, and I just want to know, do you feel like you're going to have, like, a lifelong relationship with Clay? Yeah. Can you say that? Yeah. I, th- I mean, it... You're like, I, I don't want to do anything out of wood. I don't want to... No, no, no. I'm I going... Learn how to weld. No, I'm trying to... Uh, I want to do some wood carving really badly. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a lifelong relationship with Clay as a through line, but I'm going to work with the next thing is wood. I'm gonna work with wood. Pate, who built a bunch of furniture for Brooklyn Clay, gave me some suggestions on tools to buy so that I can do carving. Really? So I'm gonna start doing some carving and maybe i i've always wanted to do like weird chainsaw carving every time i go back to see my parents oh yeah that always looks so fun right but there's going to be a ceramic i'm always gonna i think i'm always gonna work with clay at this point i spent too much time learning it to do anything else you know (laughs) yeah i mean that's part of it like i spent a lot of money learning how to use clay like i should get you know some return on investment with that material yeah. <laughs> and you also, look at it yeah but it, it also can in like it can so i've been like taking some photographs here at my apartment since i've been spending so much time here and like that's going to get folded into the ceramic work through decals um and i like some of the drawing 
my, I haven't not worked on my drawings at all, but some of the other drawings that I made before this are also getting roped into the ceramic work. So even though it's ceramic, it is ceramic work, like it can encompass so many different types of working that it's pretty hard to get bored of working with it. It'll probably happen at some point, but. Yeah, I mean, I think for a couple of years, you know, for a couple of years, actually, when I was teaching at Pratt, I felt that I didn't want to bring anything into the world that didn't need to be there. So ceramics, like, wait, like, um, lasts for so many years. Yeah. That is really, like, a, I felt really this commitment to sustainability. I don't know, like... I just didn't want to like just make more landfill. The problem yeah. with ceramics is you can't learn ceramics without making ceramics. Yeah. And a lot then, yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot. But then, I mean, I was like trying to make these big sculptures and I was like, I was finishing them and I was like, I don't even really, I didn't really need, I don't need to fire this. So nobody saw all this work that I made these giant pieces. I was like, yeah. That was uh, my first ceramics class. We, everybody in the class had to make a coil pot as tall as themselves, which was such a good. Oh man, that's a great project. And then you just like do whatever you want because you already built something bigger than you. So you're not afraid of anything. That's such a great, what a great, you, did you have a great teacher? Yeah, I had Julia Galloway. Oh shit. Ceramics, ceramics one. one? Yeah. Oh wow, that's rad. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah, I had yeah. Uh, Kensuke Yamada. Do you know his work? Yes. Awesome that's work. Uh, he was my foundations teacher. Wow. And then Trey Hill and Beth Lowe and Julie Galloway were my ceramics teachers. So good. That was really that's like a powerhouse. Right. Okay, today on the podcast, we have Ian McDonald, and we're yeah. so lucky to have him. Um, yeah, so we, um, we sort of have a connection with Ian. Um, I know him through, like, a friend, sort of, and through the internet, and Cami, I think you're the same way, and then you guys also have the Cranbrook connection, um, and yeah, we were super excited that he was up to, to chat, and we did it. Uh, before all of this craziness at Patrick Parrish Gallery, where he was having a show with Maya Grotel. Um, a big Maya. What? You're a big Maya Grotel fan. Huge. I was like, when I saw, when I, you don't get to see that much of her work really around in the world. And, you know, nobody talks about her that much as like the powerhouse that she is. But um, when I saw her name, that she was having like works in a show and that you could go see it. I like nearly, I was like so excited. I nearly died. I was like, this is like the best thing that's happened to me in 20 years. Well, uh, there was something funny too that I could see in your eyes just about like when you have those people that you really idolize, like that's how I am with Beth Lowe, where anytime I get a chance to see her work and like Beth is also, fairly well known and so is Maya Grotel. But anytime I see that someone else is having a show with Beth Lowe, I'm like, who does this person think they are? <laughs> like, <laughs> right? How dare you stand next to Beth? <laughs> but when I saw Ian's pieces, I mean, they're so inarguably beautiful that, yeah. I mean, I sort of forgave him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, and it, was, it was cool be, because this was um this was the first time that I had seen this like newer series. I don't know if he had shown it at other places, but like moving to these lower forms that are like made up of multiple parts covered with terra sage instead of the high fire vessels that he had been making for a long time. I learned so much in this interview. I didn't realize like terra sage could look like that. I didn't know. Clay could look like that. Um, so I'm really, it's really impressive, like what he, how, what he does with the material. Uh, um, and Maya Grotel on the other side, she, 
you know, like she was kind of known as like an art, like an, an art potter. An art. She's a potter. Like she made pottery, but, but I think of my Grotella as like a master craftsperson. I mean, as a woman um, that's making really big, really big pots, I mean, it's impossible to not think about craftsmanship when you're working up on that scale so precisely. Wait, when was, when was she making work? Like when was 30s, 40s. Okay. 20s, 30s, 40s, I think. And then what was her connection to Cranbrook? Was she... She was an artist in residence at Cranbrook, yeah. So she was like head of the ceramics department. Which is what Ian is now. Yeah, exactly. What I really want to talk about is like why... Like what drives you to make something so perfect? Like how do you get to that place that's like something is so refined and Ian's work is so refined that like, how do you get to this, like, higher, how do you, like, put the hours in until it's, like... Uh, yeah, because it is, it's funny that, um, like, you can go, because if you're close to that, you're not there, it's so bad. Hmm. And what do you mean? Like, if, you're, if your skill level is, it's kind of like in video games where, like, when the video game character gets too real, but they're still not real, it looks so much worse than just like Mario on Nintendo 64. Where like, <laughs> if Ian gets that close and then there's like a little finger swipe somewhere, like the whole piece, for me anyway, is just going to be like destroyed. The piece is about the finger swipe, right? Yeah. Destroyed, but it's not about... Like, it's not about anything before, like, you're, it's not about the history of your life before that piece. It's just really, all you see is the finger swing. Yeah. Versus, like, his have nothing. Like, his pieces, yeah. It's so funny. Like, do you think he was just always really good at making shit? I mean, I feel like for me, what I, what I, what I personally like about Ian's work is I can't do it. I just can't. Not. I mean, I probably could if I put a bunch of years into it to be able to throw that big, to make the form, to figure out how to make forms float, to like do the firings, to do. But like, but that's how I feel about like why I'm drawn to people's work overall is like, you know, the attention to detail that I can't do. I mean, I can do, I'm not saying that I can't do anything. Like, I have my own talents. I mean, you know, I can, um, uh, you know, I have a bunch we'll, of we'll, I have we'll a cut, lot. We'll cut something in later. We'll, I'm sure crew knows one or something. You know what I'm really good at? I'm good at going online and looking um, and researching glazes that I want to make and then not making them. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm super good at it. Yeah. Yeah, if anybody wants to do that, um, check out glazy.org. A great yeah. place to bookmark glazes that you're not going to make. Yes, exactly. It really is. It, it, it is an incredible resource. I'm not making fun of glazy. It's an incredible resource. But what I use it for is aspirational glazes that I'm never going to mix. Exactly right. Cause, and so I like look at the ingredients that you need, and I have like – out of six ingredients, I'll have two. <laughs> and then you're like sitting there and you're like, you're like, how to substitute uh, like a bar of soap for EPK. Um, uh, how to substitute mashed potatoes for nefsai. Exactly. Uh, okay, I'm going to order. So then I'll go to the ceramic shop in Philadelphia. And I'll put all the stuff in the cart. Mm -hmm. And then the total will be something like, I don't know, $250. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be like, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to do this. And then I'll yeah. go back to the boring ass shit that I have. Well, that's a um, good stuff. I'm about to, I think, make like a bunch, a series of pieces with this really expensive red fret. So I think I'm about to be in 
trouble really soon. Oh. But it's too beautiful to not use it. It's too crazy. Oh. You're going to freak out when you see it. I'm, Just the glaze, not my work. You're going to be like, wow, you really, <laughs> really smeared some nice glaze on some garbage there. <laughs> I hope that I feel that way. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I also, I bought some, I just ordered uh, five pounds of coffee beans. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So. It, it, yeah. That's going to keep the, that's going to keep the work flowing. Uh-huh. Because yeah. I'm petering out right now. Um, cool. I'm glad we had this talk. Yeah, I am too. I feel uh, Yeah. So let's get to it. Here's Ian McDonald. Without giving us the hard sell, because this actually happens a lot. What? Why should people actually go to go to graduate school? Period. We talk to so many young people. My my brother is one who's like trying to figure out right now. If what he to should, do? Yeah. <sighs> Well, I, I don't have a hard sell. I just yeah. think it's about it's about a certain it's about a certain type of community that you can build that way. So, especially at a school, Cranbrook has a you see the alumni now um, they're quite tight. It's kind of, you know it's kind of this family, and we do these alumni events, and people stay really close together. So it's yeah, kind of a network. It's a network thing. Yeah. But it's really kind of for me. It's like a we talk about it a lot. I do at least in the department. It's like I always say we uh, I always say we now recommit ourselves to to exchange. Right to like to, to an open exchange. Right. So we're giving each other information. We're getting it back, and that sort of exchange is very hard to um, to uh, pick up uh, on your own. So it's uh, right. So that 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 and and the understanding of that kind of exchange or the willingness to exchange and all those kind of things. So in a way, it's like when you send a child to school. It's like whether or not they're going to learn a bunch of stuff, but it's about how to be in a group and how to navigate a, that environment. Not that you have to be a social butterfly, but it teaches you to look at a lot of other work, find the value in that work, find it in yourself. So in a way, it's, it's not really about, it's not like a marketing thing. Like you go to this school and you're going to get a job and, um, yeah. or, you know, That's it's like this, sure. you know, or it's like this, like, or it's not like a, so it's, it's something more, uh, maybe it seems a little bit idealistic or something, but it's more um, a learning exchange, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, like I think, um, I went really young. I went like I had a year in between undergrad and the start of grad school, and it, one of the biggest things that, like, I'm happy with it, but I do sort of wish that I would have taken some more time off because uh -huh. just having that time set aside too, where like your your job is to be a graduate student is such a special thing. Yeah. And I went with someone, Emily Duke, who was like a little bit older mm -hmm. and had like taken some time and had like you know just like waited tables and like knew how rough it was just to try and make work and have a job that has weird hours. Uh -huh. And she hit it so much harder than anybody else that was in that program. <laughs> yeah. 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 You appreciate well, it more, right? Yeah. Yeah, you could. But I mean, I think from the other, the other side of it, I think um, uh, sometimes I've, I've, I've been given the advice myself when I was younger just to go and to, and, to, and to do it because also sometimes when you leave, it's hard to come back. Yeah. Life gets, in, gets going and you, don't, you never do go back. So in some ways, yeah. you're, you're, you're done with that part of it and now you can focus on yeah. uh, the rest of it. Well, that's, yeah, that's like the boat that my brother Anders is in because he's, so he like has a job that he likes. He's here in New York. He's been here for a couple of years. Yeah. So now to like uproot his whole life just to go to graduate school seems like pretty rough it's thing to do. It's going to be a yeah. weird transition. Uh -huh. And then once you get into it, you have to go. They're like, right. and graduate school's over. And you're uh -huh. like, oh, no, <laughs> yeah. no, why? Yeah, exactly. Don't make me go. <laughs> yeah, I see that a lot. Yeah. I mean, the expect, I mean, I don't know about, actually, I've seen this a lot. I don't know about Gus, I was going to say, but I've seen this a lot of people. Like, when you get out of grad school, you, you like, the world is yours. You're, like, on top of it. Mm. You just paid a lot for it. Or in your case, you got to go for free. But, um, <laughs> uh, but you get out and you're, like, I'm, I'm, like, it's mine. And then you, you live it and you're, like, oh, shit. Like, it's so hard. Yeah. You know, it's, like, yeah, yeah. the postgraduate. Yeah, it was 
difficult. That was like the worst six months ever. <laughs> six months? Yeah, it took me about six months, I think, to like, uh, I was, I, well, I, I, I'm looking at 10 years. I'm looking at 20 years and I'm still. <laughs> no, wait, wait, yeah. Oh, it's six months. It was six months. And I, you know, I picked it up. I picked it up. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. This is it's like it's a sound podcast, but if, if anybody can see me, I'm yeah. rolling my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. This is nice. This is nice. Um, I think you should just be a reoccurring guest on that. I think we got our dynamic finally figured out. Um, Boom, roasted. Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, so let's talk about a little bit about your background. <clears throat> we... We know you're from California, mm-hmm. and here's what I, here's from like looking at this is this is the part where we critique your work without you wanting us to. <laughs> so we make a lot of assumptions about your uh, work that on. we found on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> you're, I feel like you're from California, and you have this like very. It looks like a very California ceramics history in your work already Mm. and so then with that like sort of mid-century modern California Mm -hmm. and then it feels like you moved to Detroit to the hotbed of mid-century modern design Uh it's like you're it just feels like it's in a part of you what do you want to talk can you talk about that a little bit yeah, no, I think it's true uh, uh, to a certain. I mean, it, it is true that I'm from California, that, but um, <laughs> but I mean, uh, but I mean, it's it's uh, uh, growing up there. You know, my whole life, I was I was there. I, I moved to Oregon for a short time before going to Michigan, but for just a couple of years. But um, yeah, so I grew up in California. All the the ceramics that I grew up with is the the known sort of California. Uh, artists working at that time as, as well as other artists still not as known um, who haven't had like a resurgence but uh, yeah then moving to Michigan <clears throat> it's, it's been a totally natural move especially for Cranbrook it feels like that in a way I mean I've been, I've been joke not joking about it but it, it feels like it's it's the it's been the place the place for me like it just feels like a natural place for me that the way that it operates it's something I understand the universities were, are much harder for me to understand as, a, as an artist and and mentor I, I found it to be a, a, a different relationship but it was harder for me so uh, Cranbrook seems very uh, natural to me whether or not it's this whole idea of mid-century modernism and all that kind of thing I'm not really sure about that I mean it's um, I, I would only actually think that about the work that you're making now. Maybe your older work. Yeah, maybe it was kind like of born uh, born from that kind yeah. of moving through that sort of idea. But um, um, it's really it's really born out of out of pottery, out of making pottery. I mean, I started as as an uh, apprentice to potters when I was much younger. That's oh, where yeah. I that's where I learned in in the in Laguna Canyon where I grew up, and um, and so I was a lot of this is kind of born out of that way of working uh, as, as a real potter like economy of materials not wasting materials getting as much variety out of uh, a, a couple of glazes much so it's like a it's a conceptual uh, frame that I actually still use in the work even though it's not ex- about that in a practical way but it's a it's a way of framing the work for me yeah. I, love, uh, I wandered off the topic a little bit but no, I, but, I, but no, I think that, yeah but yeah, I think yeah. the idea of being of being at uh, at Cranbrook and moving there, it feels like a very natural place for me to be. Yeah. Well, I was, so when you, like I've known about your work for a while and when you, when Anders Ruwald left the job and, uh-huh. and you got the position, at first, like part of me was kind of surprised by it or like, I think because it was so tied to, like, cause I also see the work as like really growing from pottery, uh-huh. like as its starting point. Um, and. And like I didn't, you know, it seemed like a big change from Anders Ruwald's work. Yep. But then when I thought more about how the, because the work, like both of you work sort of at the intersection of like art and design and ceramics and, yeah, mm-hmm. um, and like they both seem to be about craft in a lot of ways too, mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. though they're like very different. Yeah. Um, so it did, like it, it makes sense, it, but it almost like took me a little bit longer to get there. Yeah. And I think part of it was that, um, at the time that like the pinchy touch was such a thing mm-hmm. and your work is like so refined and mm-hmm. that was something that when I was in graduate school I was like shying away from um, a little bit like refinement or yeah uh, the all thumbs uh, no re- I was <laughs> moving towards all thumbs uh-huh. I had nothing but thumbs I almost <laughs> had just elbows at one point <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah I mean did you 
like how did you I mean you stuck with the work like the work has sort of like had a similar level of polish for a really long time yeah but did you feel pressured to like switch to the new no. thing in any way or no yeah. I mean I think I uh, for, for me I still think that I, I I still sometimes I see some of that work um, still being made now and there's definitely moments where I, I think like uh, wow that is it's, it's amazing I can see yeah. it and I but for me what that means to me is that I see I see a value in that as speaking a certain language the way we actually physically touch things and handle things yeah. so whether or not it's shiny or matte or unglazed or whatever I don't really have a, an opinion about its hierarchy of, of good and bad it just means it's speaking a different thing a yeah. different language or the materials working differently and probably I think that's why I've stayed with ceramics the whole mile uh, for such a long time is that it has you, you mentioned like this idea of intersection of art of, of design and the crafts and industry and all the way to uh, working, you know, with your elbows. So mm -hmm. it's, so it's like this idea that it's just it's just a different way of approaching the material. Yeah. So for me, I I would if I would use that method, and they're they're maybe not down here. We're sitting around some of this work now. I don't see it in any of this work necessarily. Although the, in a way, like my form of that is that, you know, I'm, I'm pointing to a piece on a on a spoken word podcast as if people yeah, can see yes, it. Yes, yeah. But it's like, a, but, uh, but but the idea that those are all remnant pieces. So mm -hmm. for me, that's kind of like this moment of things falling apart and recollecting it okay. and they just get and, and so for me th those pieces were all about this idea of architectural detail and the things that I'm seeing and then rather than placing them just basically taking them and sweeping them into a bowl okay so it, yeah. so so in a way that's uh, that's that would be my way of working um, yeah. f uh, in a different in a different way than a refined way that's it, not refined it's basically piled in there I mean, the, they feel so dialed in and so tight. I was actually wondering. I mean, I was looking at them really, really closely, and I was like, "Oh, there's a nick." And then I was, I was like, "What is Where'd you Ian?" See that? I, I, was like, I wonder what Ian thinks about the nick in that piece. And I Cammy was, like, was the one that nicked it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I was like, did he know? It? Did he see it? Mm. Like what? Mm. Like what do you feel like is a win for you? Mm -hmm. Like what's a what is a disappointment? Like. How does it like? How do you actually make your work and make your decisions? Yeah, it's, it's all a, it's all like a, um, it's all a, a, a language again. So for me, it's the the reason that I work in this tight way is not because it's it, it's like it's not like a, it's in my personality 100. percent It's not like that's if you go over to my house, it's not like you're gonna walk into like you know, it's. Well, <laughs> so we actually asked because we <laughs> we both met you at the opening, like you know, fairly briefly, um, but we ran into Katie last night, and so we were like. Like is Ian funny? Can he? You know, because like the work is super tight, so we had to like, yeah. Well, I suggested that maybe you meant to be an architect, and then you landed in a crappy ceramics program. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> you like went to school. You're like, I'm going to be an architect, and you're like, I'm just going to take the ceramics class, and then you just were like, I can't get out of the ceramics. That could have been. I mean, yeah, I made a decision early on and never stopped. And who knows? Maybe I. Maybe I could have been better at something else. Oh, jeez. Well, this is the part we yeah. wrap it up. Sorry to insult yeah. the guest again. Yeah. No, but a win. A win. It's a, a win for me. Is so. So speaking the language of, the, I, I wanted it to be uh, that tight because I wanted to speak that particular language. So for me, as soon as it actually. Uh, warps too much or you know I'm, I'm, I would love uh, I have students and I have worked with uh, other artists that have a piece that just cracks in half and it has this amazing uh, crack through there and uh, you know amazing accident happens and I love all that stuff I mean I that that might even be the stuff that I would have in my own home like if I were to go out and collect work which I do I, you know we all have our own collections of stuff yeah. but but for me that's that's not the language that I'm uh, been working with within my work so I, I I'm looking for it to do that so if something were to bend too much or if there were a big crack to run through the side of it it's it's the language of that object has changed and it's not going to work for my particular idea sure. so I don't really again for me it's just like but at the same time a lot of those pieces that all these other small pieces those are pieces that have cracked and fallen off and I cut them I've and I'll cut them and use them all the way through the process so even in older pieces like much older pieces now, almost ten years ago, I would I would use work uh, that I had had in my home for ten years, and I would bring it back to a piece and say, now this the language of this object is working for this sculpture, and I would reintroduce it back into the work again. So, it's not um, it's hard to describe what a what a a win and a loss is or something for me, but it really has to do with whether or not it's clearly speaking the language that I'm aiming for. Right? Are you? 
I mean, do you feel just when something comes out of the kiln? First of all, it's weird that this work was even made in a kiln. It's so, it looks so perfect. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, what is it? Sometimes it doesn't even look like ceramics. Yeah. It, they look so good. And then, but when it comes out of the kiln and it's like warped, are you like so bummed out? Uh, yeah, it's, sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like. Uh, I mean, I try not to fall in love with things too much in terms of because I, I do make a number of them at one time, and I have a number of parts moving at one time. There's all these things happening, so there is this moment of kind of it's a little bit of a numbers game where you're just uh, something goes wrong, and you're just like, okay, that one's out, and you yeah. just kind of shuffle it and you hold on to something else. But there is definitely moments where you are you're invested in something, something's working for you. And you really want this thing to work, and you open it up, and it's like it's 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 wobbled too much, and it's just like, nah, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. just like there it goes. I gotta let that one go, and it's yeah. <laughs> it's there's like, definitely like you know, tears in bed sort of thing, and then you and then you kind of do it again. <laughs> 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 you try it a different way in some way. And so these these are actually some of these pieces that are in here have been formed in different ways, and a lot of that has to do with the technical way to get it done. Yeah. So the big round, these bigger round ones now are. are you know, thrown in parts. I use round bats or round kiln shelves that I stilt up inside and they actually are fired hanging off them to keep oh. the top true. And so I've, I've devised a million different ways to, I've, I've made saggers and buried them 100% in sand to keep them straight. I mean, a million different ways to. Wow. Uh, <laughs> underweight, so, some are fired underweight. Okay. Like, bricks uh, on top of stuff. Real <laughs> so what works the best? Uh, consistency. <laughs> but it, no, but I mean, true. good one. Good you know, but I mean, consistency. <laughs> consistency in the way they're made, in, yeah. in terms of like weight uh, um. uh, uh, thicknesses and things. That's that's been a, something that really works. Um, but the the new method is the one it works the best is to make them all in parts and then to assemble post. Oh. So and and that was that was also a. Um, a function of, of, of using the wheel and doing things like these pieces could not be made in a single part and so it's a way of kind of Ooh. answering the, the dynamics of, of, of a piece that deep overhang or something where right. a far pitch which you just couldn't do in a single maneuver yeah, so like you that. just you end up you just try to do it in parts and so in some in some ways you know the wheel itself just becomes it's just a spinning thing and yeah. it just it just creates the round parts for me <laughs> right. and but it's not uh, it's not really pottery in the same way. Did, did any part of your ceramics ego really want to figure out how to just make them in one piece though? <laughs> oh yeah, the ceramic ego. <laughs> the ceramic <laughs> ego is <laughs> such a deep, yeah. There is, well there, yeah, exactly, I know. That's a troubling ego, the ceramic ego, actually. Yeah. That's yeah. A, I, we could unpack that for a long time. <laughs> but that's like, uh, I actually don't get too hung up on that. Yeah. Um, I found that's something I talk with people a lot about too is, is trying to find the right the right where the work is situated and again like where I currently am like in this particular environment here the work feels very situated it feels like an, an, it, it's kind of appropriate environment right. we're yeah. actually we're, in the basement of Patrick Parrish right now yeah. which we this is the best recording studio we've studio ever been in yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so with that idea that you know if it's in other types of exhibitions or sometimes you, you, you've, you've probably had the same experience where you look at your work and you're like man my work looks really dumb in this yeah this looks my work looks bad in here yeah. and it's and because it has something to do with the languages of the other work and the way that your work is responding yeah. and so um, why was I talking about that we were, oh, we were talking about, <laughs> we were talking about whether the ceramics ego whether you oh, yeah. like how you how many how you tried to throw them and you couldn't and we just wanted to know well that so <laughs> so my, my old professor Amy Santaferraro would always talk about how the wheel is just a tool for making round things mm -hmm. and I and at the time I was like no, it's not. It's like for making pots. And then, like a week later, I needed a cylinder. And I was like, "Oh, right." I can use yeah. that thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, interesting. But yeah, I also I tend to think of myself as being pretty savvy with materials, and I'm looking at that piece on the far corner. Um, so underneath that one the, underneath the thing. Yeah. So that is. It's just. It's just a couple sections stacked together. Is that what's going on yeah. there? Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah in a way, yeah. in a way. Like, in a month, you're see Gus's new work. Yeah. It's gonna look exactly yeah. like yours with some painting on yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. No, in a way, it's going to be a bird on it. I'm ready for that group show now. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely thought about that myself. Where you know, I've been asked to do something like to do a demo or something, and I was like, Are you sure? Yeah. You really want to sit around and watch this happen? Yeah. So, <clears throat> I did a demo, uh, you know, recently in, in Cleveland, and uh, and. I didn't know, I, you know, it's, it's hard for me to deal, like, 
here's a few different size cylinders and we just a lot of you know, <laughs> you know I spent a lot of time sort of like cutting things up and then waiting for them to dry and so I just it's basically me wandering around the studio in front of people uh, touching my objects to make sure they're at the right consistency yes. and this is not super exciting so I actually made work and, and drove it to the place yeah. so I could do it like a cooking show almost but nice. so in a way yeah they're not uh, but the dynamics of them I think is in the is a kind of in the float and in the in the surfaces and these these new pieces have a different surface that I haven't this is the first time I've used it and shown shown this type of work but yeah and this is the first work with Terra Sidge on it right yeah right it's the first time I've been doing the Terra Sidge and I've I've gone back into it pretty deep uh, just recently right before I left to come here I was like it's really getting pretty nerdy. Like, yeah. yeah. Great, I'm, I have so many questions I'm about boi I'm boiling it. I'm boiling it now. It's really what fun. What are you boiling? I've heard about this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this yeah. is a thing that Tepper told me about. It totally works. Yeah. <laughs> this banana is like the... <laughs> it's oddly exciting. So, yeah. can you just answer one question really quick? Can you put <laughs> Terra Sidge on? Does it have to go on bone dryer? Can it go on leather hard? Mm. And can it go on bisque? I'm certainly not an expert in it. I mean, I just, there's I just, no, I just, there's no yeah. right or wrong answer. Yeah. Well, some people have really there, are, there are some people who have devoted and written books and do all I that know, kind of stuff, and I'm, I'm kind of piecing it together. But I do it all at bone dry, and I spray it on bone dry. Right. Mm -hmm. So that is the that is the scariest part for me in these pieces, because then then I have to load them onto these uh, round right. kiln shells. So you just get one shot to do it. You right. can't really go. Oh, I don't like the stack and try to move it because you just. So you kind of have to just go for it and make some. Because the more you touch it, the worse it gets. It just it gets, gets worse and yeah. worse. Yeah, and, and, and just with bone dry work, it's at that scale. Right. Yeah. Even if I were to like just like hit my elbow on the door, it might vibrate enough, and I've, I've you know you would crack the thing could just like shatter in your hands. Oh, so I do it at bone dry, but I think you can do it at leather hard too. The, I think the difference is that your clay is still going to be shrinking a little bit with leather hard, and that sort of fit of those two things could be altered. This Whereas opposed to this if you were great. to if you were to do it on bone dry or on uh, bisque, same same thing. You've got a you've got a very wet media against something that's already shrunk. So maybe you would I don't know. I'm not a chemist or something, but you maybe adds you know something something to to, to allow for that <laughs> shrinkage to happen in a different in a different way, calcining something or whatever. This is great. This is great. I think we could probably uh, between the two of us and maybe Gus as like as like comedic help maybe we could write a book about <laughs> yeah. get a new book that's like if you can get it on and it stays you did it right mm -hmm. yeah that's well like I think I think there are people who say that yeah, I mean it's it's basically like, if it works for you it works yeah, I mean um, I, you know the fit is the is the big is the big issue but I think also just uh, for me I've had I've, uh, maybe someone listening to this you should have a call-in show we're, yeah, we're, we're trying about yeah, it. yeah. Yeah, we're trying to, but you're gonna have to pay people to call, friend, because like, who's yeah, listening? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. It's nobody, actually. Yeah, it's a, a one student that we've both had. Who <laughs> right, we're right. So, but, Jackie, this is for you. Yeah, but the idea, <laughs> but the idea that uh, uh, I think I've been having some problem with uh, barometric pressure. So in the summer, in the summertime, the materials settle out way better than in the wintertime because it's so dry. Right. So I've been trying to figure out. I've been making these little chambers of uh, like little greenhouses in my studio to see if I can control the um, this is wild. the humidity wow. level. <laughs> wow. Because so it's, the, it'll, it'll change the humidity. Like it's so dry in Michigan, very, very dry uh, in the wintertime, like yeah. into, into like single digit percentages, which is really complex for ceramics. It dries like very uneven, very fast. Wow. And uh, in a, not, a, not a good way for me. So I've had to create ways to yeah, here I, I cannot get stuff to dry, especially in the summer in my studio. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what happens to me in the summer in the studio, yeah. too. It changes, but then, so then you have to figure out some other, some other way. Yeah. Maybe that's why everyone likes people who want to be in California, because it's consistent yeah. weather. And it's, really, it's not because they like the weather. It's, it's better for ceramics. Yeah, that's why everyone <laughs> uh -huh. moved to LA. Yeah, uh -huh. that's That makes why. sense. Yeah. Um. Sure. And the crystals. <laughs> and the f Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you miss do Cal like? Do you miss California? No, not even a little bit. Not really? I mean, I do. I do. I mean, it's because my, all my family's there. My wife's family's from there. Yeah. Uh, so we we go back and we do that sort of thing. But I don't know. I think it's where the adventure is interesting and living in different places and meeting different people and um, being exposed to different things. And it's been really good. I think it's like really exciting, and I think as a someone working in ceramics and you know in Detroit, there's Poabic pottery, which sure. is just not something I would be have act, I would know about. And actually, that's how I came to Maya Grotel. 
is, is uh, you know, Maya Gratel was not someone on the West Coast that I was as familiar with. You'd go to the Met and you'd see a piece or, you know, something like that, but it wasn't like the breadth. And so we go into the collection at Cranbrook and they have 90, 90 obje objects, I think, campus-wide. And so you know, I can go into the vault, which is basically connected to my studio. The museum's directly connected. And wow. so I have access to that sort of thing to try to create, to get these loans, and I can go look at them. And I'd never seen that many. And so that wouldn't happen with that without uh, being willing to try something new. And um, is that how that uh, that show came about? Was just from yeah, it came about in kind of a strange way too. Because we I was I was here actually doing like a panel with Patrick and Zoe, okay. and they asked the question like who who do you think? Because there's been there was all this research, you know, renewed interest in ceramics, and especially right. artists who had not been as noticed in the past. Yeah. And they said, is there anybody that you can think of that? And I, I said, Maya Grotel, because I had just gotten to Cranbrook at that time. Oh, was this the and so I had just, panel? Yeah. Okay, so, I was so, there. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And so I had just, I just, you know, just gotten to Cranbrook. I think I'd been there for a very short time. And so that, that just, it just came right to my mind at, the, at that moment. And, uh, and since then, I've been sort of interested in it. And because I live in the, basically across the street from her former studio, and um, we kind of look at the same things. That's how that all kind of came to be, was that... Okay. Um, was the idea of being in dialogue with someone who I never met, yeah, uh, and sort of um, like an invisible mentor, in yeah. A way. So there was something about, and, and we see the same things because Cranbrook hasn't changed; the grounds look the same. So we look at the same, we look at the same environment. So um, you get to see the same things that Cami Clamaco saw. Yeah, that's right. We we share that, we which do. is which is actually kind of interesting in a way. So I was just thinking about that as a, and then of course some of my work I think is it, it looks much different. It looks very different, and, and it is very different from. My Grotel's work, but there there are some things that are shared. Um, so for those uh, people that don't know Cranbrook, it's a utopian uh, art school that was kind of designed after Bauhaus, but it's so beautiful. So it's yeah. the large part of the campus is designed by Eliel Saarinen, father of Aero Saarinen. How much has the architecture of Cranbrook, ha like, how much has it like changed your work? Yeah, or your well, it's hard to it's, who knows. It's hard it's hard to know for me, but. Um, it's maybe it's an easy target because it's kind of like so it's so in, it's so there when you live on the campus you experience it and uh, my daughter goes to the lower school of Cranbrook and so uh, cool. at her when you when I first took her to kindergarten all the lockers didn't have numbers but they had unique hieroglyphs <laughs> cut out of the lockers you know and so uh, it's hard not to just be like this is incredible right <laughs> this is amazing everything's kind of custom everything is nothing is every door is unique every window is unique it's this whole so that's something that I respond to in, in my work in terms of variety and that's why these things aren't cast as an example because right. I want to have room t for variety and some slippage and things happening that I wouldn't get if I was casting them uh, so I'm, I don't have that the interest for this work to, to cast them so in some ways yeah it's, it's impossible to escape the interest of, of Cranbrook uh, in the architecture whether or not it's something that I'm just gonna like it's just like becoming part of your or whether it's going to something I'm going to actually kind of flush through and, and 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 then go back to something go into something different or if it's always going to stay there as a steady influence I'm not sure yeah. if I look around at the other some of the other faculty who have been there who were there for 25 years 26 yeah. years it doesn't it doesn't appear to me that that's <laughs> you know something that's going to stick but maybe I, who knows yeah maybe. I mean a lot of the you know mid-century modernism was kind of born in in Cranbrook mm -hmm. and so a lot of those designers moved to California which is why I sort of made that connection between your the trickle-down effect mm -hmm. of mid-century modern in California it's like such a huge important part of California because yeah. of just the timing yeah that's right yeah it's interesting I mean I didn't think that, that it kind of came from Michigan to California and I've kind of followed exactly. this one back yeah, yeah that's exactly. kind of interesting way to think about it yeah. You can probably write a book about that, and you can thank me, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, who yeah. can you talk of? Can you talk to us about your mentors? Like, who, who really influenced you? Oh, but so many, so many people. Probably, it's hard to even. Really, I mean, I, I was thinking about that, but it's it's hard to know. I mean, I would think from all these different these different uh, parts of my uh, my work and my practice have, have been influenced in different ways. So. Like my my first gallery was was Rena Branston Gallery in San Francisco, and she was really important to me as like getting me into that world and seeing the gallery world and 
were in meeting other artists that have been showing for a longer period of time and right. so I got to meet you know Viola Fry at that point I was meeting people that were in the game and uh, in, th in that particular um, model and so that was a important um, uh, mentor for me. John Roloff was a big uh, uh, mentor for me where I, I taught at the San Francisco Art Institute for about 12 years and he was the you know you, you've probably seen some of that work he was very early in um, creating kilns and firing objects in place and peeling away the kiln as public projects and environmental projects and things oh, like that. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And taught at the San, at the Art Institute for many, many years. And he he got me involved in teaching and allowed me to write my own courses uh, very early on. And so I was authoring unique courses um, that were based in my interests that were contributing to the overall ceramics and sculpture department. So that was really important to me. So those are just a, a few. You know, that, so, so for me, it's, like, it's very interesting that and, and now being at, at Cranbrook in a way, I still have, they're, they're still mentors to me, the people that are teaching there and um, um, helping me understand that place or moving me into different ways of thinking. I'm doing an industrial, like a hard kind of an industrial design project right now with a company in Kalamazoo that was, was brought to me through one of the um, faculty at Cranbrook, Scott Klinker, who's uh, okay. the head of industrial design or the 3D. And so, those are, and so he's been helping me understand what it's like to work as a as an industrial designer what what that all means because it's not training that i have and so there's just every every part of my time has someone who's been really helpful to me patrick has been really helpful to me uh, wade who's been helping me has been incredibly helpful in the museum and so it's just all these there's so many different people that uh, you know i always i try to remember that all because we feel so isolated or we feel so like we're just doing this by ourselves right. but we and realize when you do something when you do something when you finally do a show and you look back and you realize like just wouldn't have been able to do it on my own. <laughs> I need a lot of help, you know? That, I think that's true f for a lot of art, you know? That's, I mean, I wouldn't be teaching at Brooklyn Clay without Gus. Yeah. And, you know, even though I, like, hate him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Deeply. I really, <laughs> no, I really, I mean, that's, you know, I think about that a lot. Like, we talk about, like, how did you get here? And it's like, it's just like your network of, like, almost, they're almost yeah. like family members right, in a yeah. weird way. Yeah. yeah. So talk talk about your time as a. You said you were interning, apprenticing for potters. Oh, when I was young. I mean, I wasn't like full. I wasn't full on, full, full sort of. Uh, but yeah, when I were for you a like couple high different high school age. Or high school age, and then cool. when I first went to school, I worked for a, for an artist in Chicago, and um, you know, I'd go into the studio, and he would uh, show me a vessel or a bowl, and he would say, "I need 60. and so we'd sit down oh, and wow. I'd make. Wow. Yeah, I would make the versions for him and were other people in your family into ceramics or how did you know yeah no I mean my brothers I, I you know my brothers uh, I have older brothers I'm the youngest so uh, they were in ceramics in high school when I was a young and they'd bring stuff home I do remember cool. them bringing things home yeah and I'm much not much younger but I'm, I'm, I'm far I must have been in elementary school when they were in high school okay. and so they would bring things home and I would say what is that you know like how did that happen you know even so I think I was interested in it from that the perspective of just seeing something that was being made um, and so I just got into it as a, at a very young age because yeah. of that and, and never never stopped yeah <laughs> it's wild that there are that yeah. many things that you can just keep trying to keep you interested in it oh like it, right it's such yeah. a yeah you're like well I now I can I basically can throw everything I'm gonna learn how to do mold making yeah you know? well that's kind of a cool thing actually yeah that's what and that's what again that's what I try to think about with 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 teaching and with my own work is that there's all of these um, the class that I'm teaching at Haystack I'm calling studio alphabet which has to do with there's all of these letters in the alphabet in the me working methodology of ceramics and we we, we make we, we we take all those letters and we string together a sentence that then creates the narrative of our of our work, mm -hmm. and what those letters are, and where they've arrived and come from, from using your elbow to <laughs> to sanding it down to whatever the highest grit sandpaper there is. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just all another letter in the alphabet. You know, of ceramics. That's one of the. I think it's why it probably still you know holds attention for me. Let's ask some really nerd questions. What is your holy grail pottery wheel? Oh, I like the Shimpo. I like the Whisper. Yeah. Oh, what about really? a, what about, about a what about a Lockerbie with a motor on it? No, it's too um, it's too bumpy. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, if you had to pick between having a computerized kiln and one that just had a cone sitter on it, what would you go with? A computerized. That's, right, that's the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> with a caveat, with a witness cone. 
Okay. Whoa. There we go. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Because we don't have the computers, right? Right. Right. Hey. <laughs> I mean, don't I know it? Well, we just trust it. We just trust it, but we don't know. The computer says it's at this temperature. We mm -hmm. don't know. Mm -hmm. Those Blau kilns, they, those, uh, those uh, thermocouples are made of platinum rhodium. Highly, highly, highly um, sensitive. Okay. And they are pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. But I still put a witness cone in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or a temp check. You could use temp checks. You ever use temp checks? No, what's that? Temp checks are like a, you measure them with a caliper, and then you they shrink, and you measure the shrinkage, and then you have a, the exact. Wow. I like that. I <laughs> wow. get some of those. Something like that. I don't even know where to find them. I think it's a European okay. thing. Yeah. <laughs> what's your favorite tool? Um, <laughs> I would say a my favorite tool. Oh, either like a. Um, a plastic grocery bag or like a um, oh yeah or, yeah or or um, a spoon no spoons mm. are no fun I think like maybe like a, or or a, a broken bandsaw saw. blade a bandsaw blade removed oh, yeah. and used as a shaping tool yeah with the teeth yeah the little teeth that's a good one that's a good one I like, I like those tools yeah. you guys should be writing this down uh -huh. um, thank you so much for being on our Ian's the best, and um, he's really charming and funny. I know. Yeah, I like Ian. I like that somehow in, like, the last six months, uh, like, I went from Ian just being some guy whose work I liked and I, like, wanted to know how he made his stuff to, like, we're at least acquaintances now. Uh, you know? I know, and like you're gonna graduate to like texting each other. I mean, I I actually feel I was thinking the exact same thing. Do you want to do you want to plug uh, Cranbrook Academy? Oh well, do I really need to? I mean, I feel like I plug it just yeah. by being out in the world, right? <laughs> but absolutely, um, that's school. You'll have an amazing experience. I mean, there's nothing. There's no other school like it, that's for sure. Yeah, and everyone should take, take some time to look up Ian's work online and then also um, go to Patrick Parrish Gallery and look up the show that he had with Maya Grotel. It was really great. That's where we were recording one floor below it in the basement of Patrick Parrish. So thanks for letting us record there. And it was a great exhibition and we we're so happy to talk to Ian. And that's, that's the Ceramic Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at the, the Ceramics Podcast. Oh yeah, and then I guess we should say to like rate, um, rate and review us if possible, uh, which would be really sweet. I mean, I know that I'm asking, um, which it could be like the review could be bad. Like I'm, you know, do what you have to do and be true to yourself and walk your own path and <laughs> be your own person. But you know, be kind and generous too. Like what you put out in the world comes back to you. I'm just. I'm not saying like write a good review. I'm just saying like we're trying hard, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guts. See you, Cammy. <laughs> <laughs>